Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. of the Night Report Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Broadbent. Joining me once again is my co-host, Richie Schneiderite. Got a lot of th- a lot of things to talk about. We're going to review the uh, Rutgers-Minnesota game from Sunday, where Rutgers fell 81-70 to at the barn in Minnesota. House of horrors for Rutgers basketball, and that streak continues. We're going to talk some football recruiting. There's quite a few updates in terms of official visitors who have scheduled recently and some guys who are now off the board. And we're going to talk about the Knights of the Raritans' new promotion for their Scarlet Ticket and kind of go into some some light details, uh, and we'll have more on that later in the pod. First, let's start this basketball game. Uh, Rutgers lost to Minnesota 81-70 to on the road, snapping their four-game winning streak. And uh, now Jeremiah Williams has a blemish on his resume as a Rutgers yeah. Scarlet Knight. Uh, Rutgers just kind of didn't look like themselves, uh, at least the, themselves that they've established under John, uh, Jeremiah Williams in the second half, especially against Minnesota. What did you see in that game that uh, was kind of the turning point as to why Rutgers wasn't able to, to pull it out? I mean, smoked layups. Um, they weren't going to shoot 50% the entire game. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. They had a really good first half, and it honestly just they couldn't stop them on defense. There, there was no defense in this one, actually. Um, I thought they had a really good first half offensively, though. It looked phenomenal. They were attacking the paint. Cliff was getting just about anything he wanted. The issue was is that Payne was getting anything he wanted, so there was just yeah. no defense in the paint. Um, the smoked layups just really annoyed the fuck out of me. Like, I was watching it on, on, on the couch with my girlfriend. I was just watching the game, and she's like, uh, and she's like, oh, uh, who, who are you rooting for? And I'm like, joking around. I'm like, who do you think? Like, mm-hmm. um, But <laughs> what do you call it? We're sitting there, and uh, she's like, why are you yelling? And I was like, because this kid just misses all these fucking layups. Like, all these kids, they just miss layups. Like, they're wide open layups. <laughs> like, And I get it. I do it in my men's league. That's fine. I can do that. I'm not a D1 player. Mm-hmm. But when you go in, in your wide open lane, fast break, and missing a transition layup where no one's guarding you, it's just insane. It drives me nuts. What they finished? 11 of... No, I'm seeing 12 not. for 26 at the rim. Yeah, well, 11 of 25 on layups. It says 12 of 26 at the rim. You, you can't be missing these. Like, yeah. it's just insane. Um, and in the first half, they were actually doing pretty well there. I thought they made a lot of contested yeah. layups in the first half. It just kind of fell apart in the second. It's it just drives me nuts this stuff. But uh, and three point shooting is just non-existent. Like it's, I don't even know how you fix that. You just you really well, can't. You the had worst games. part about that is they started three for three from deep, yeah. and then they finished the game somehow. Somehow they finished the game One of four 16. for seventeen. Oh wait, no, I'm looking. Four for four? nineteen. Yeah, yeah. So they started three for three, finished four for nineteen. So that means they went one for sixteen for the rest of the game, starting at the nine minute mark left in the first half. That's so insane. over the last so thirty minutes of the game, they went one for sixteen from three. Yeah, that's so bad. And like there's no bench really at all. Griffiths continues to struggle. He's getting wide open shots and he's just missing. Like, the whole just, team was, in fairness. That's true. Like they, yeah. they were getting the same relative quality of shots in that game as they have been under Jeremiah Williams. It's just everybody mm. was missing. I think the one 
positive if you look at something positive uh, on offense is they were 18 for 22 from the line. So they were That's, shooting from the line yeah. really, really well, which, as if you followed along the season, has not been uh, something you could count on. Cliff was 7 for 10 from the line, too. I thought he had That's a impressive. really good first half. Um, I think Minnesota, they were giving him a lot of one-on-one situations, and Cliff was able to, to back down Garcia and back down Payne mm-hmm. and just get open looks. But in the second half, I think Ben Johnson did a great job of just clogging the lane, playing more zone, and those those looks that Cliff was getting in the first half just weren't there in the second half, and they basically dared us to shoot from the mid-range or shoot from deep, and we did, and we weren't able to make shots, and that's kind of the oversimplification of what happened, but we just uh, we didn't show up offensively as a team. I mean, you know why they were so good at free throws? Because they only had four people shoot them. <laughs> yeah, yep. Austin Williams, Jeremiah Williams, Derek Simpson, and, and Cliff. And Cliff. And don't get me wrong, Cliff's numbers, that's that's 70% is huge because I think he's shooting like 54 or 55 on, this, on the season. And it's a big man, yeah. so I don't really expect him to do much better. But, um, yeah, no, it's just I, there's, there's no bench. Milan Mags were still dinged up, you could tell. Um, he got called for some ticky-tacky stuff too, but that's – it is what it is. Um, the guard play was just kind of non-existent. I mean, Derek Simpson had a up-and-down game, and – he drives me nuts a little bit too because he's just so inconsistent. Um, he has a great first half, bad second half. He has a bad second half, great first, or vice versa. It, it's every game. Um, he's either uh, we should have said it before the pod. He's either he's either Kobe Bryant or he's um, I don't even know who, who's a really bad player right now in the NBA. Name any um, name. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I don't exactly. Um, yeah, Derek. He started off hot. I mean, he. Hit those two first half threes. He had those two putbacks on missed layups by uh, Jermichael Davis was one. I don't remember who mm-hmm. missed the other one, but he just you know to close out the game he was you know he was just like everybody else. There was just miss after miss after miss after miss. Yeah. Um, some of them were clean looks. I think in the second half the quality of looks dipped a little bit, but still you you got to find a way to make shots at the rim. You got to find a way to hit more than 20% of your threes as a team. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are this is what's going to happen if you're going to shoot 20% from three on average. Or not at, not every game, but it seems like we're either at one extreme or the other. We're either shooting above 40% or we're shooting around 20% or less. It's just this team cannot find any kind of consistency. It's way too volatile from, from beyond the arc. And until that starts to level out, I think you're going to see these these stretches where you're you're punching above the above your weight and then you're also losing the guys who are below your weight it's just that's what's going to happen if if you're going to play like that and in in minnesota's credit i thought they played really well i think they present a much more difficult um situation than you would expect from minnesota because they have a lot of length every one of their guys is 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 tall and, and rangy and they have a lot of athleticism like pain was way better than I expected it to be. You know, you look at a lot of the detractors, you know, they could point to his free throw shooting. I think he's shooting like 37% coming into that game. But I didn't expect him to be that athletic. Um, and he's just so big too. Like he's got, he's probably 260, 270 pounds. You know, he had seven offensive rebounds in that game. He had 21 points, 11 rebounds, uh, two blocks, two assists. Um, he did shoot five of 11 from the line, but he was eight of 12 from the field. He was just a force. He was just grabbing 
rebound after rebound, a lot of second chance points coming from him. Dawson Garcia, even though his his numbers weren't gaudy, he was just kind of getting whatever he wanted because you either had to defend him with Cliff or one of the backup bigs, exposing yep. yourself for pain, or you had to guard him with Andre Hyatt or Moat Mag, who wasn't at 100%. So you're giving up you know, four to five inches there, or you're taking the center out from the block and giving pain wide open looks. And then you have Hawkins, who that guy has maybe the best vision of any guard we've played this year. He made so many nice passes. I don't know how many alley-oops he had in that game, but he was just finding open guys the whole game. That guy, Christy, uh, the freshman, really impressed me. He's just, he's really turned it on the last, this over the second half of the season. They played a tight rotation too. There was only six guys on their team that had double-digit minutes. Um, Every one of their starters played at least 28 minutes. Um, Yeah, it was just kind of, not a, not a great matchup, especially with Rutgers playing banged up. Fernandes only played three minutes. Mag didn't start, and when he did play, he played 17 minutes. He didn't look like himself. Yeah. Um, I, I think Pike, at this current moment, only really has like six reliable guys he can go to if you know if the injuries that they currently are dealing with kind of stick. And this is kind of what happened last year when he ran out of guys to play. Everyone just had to play, you know. 10 to 20% more, and then they just wore down. I hope that doesn't uh, occur this year, but I mean, outside of Jeremiah Williams, Derek Simpson, Jamichael Davis, Cliff, Andre, and Mag, there's not a whole lot that he can work with right now, given the injuries and given how guys are playing. Yeah, there's there's such a big drop-off between Cliff, too, and the, the backup bigs. There's yeah. just... I know Wolfolk tried and attempted to do something out there. Just He was lost at times. Ogboy... Um, Ogboy, however you pronounce it, um, he's just he's a mess. There's a reason he only played one minute. Um, yep. I mean, hell, this guy was kicking so much in the game ago. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just there's no bench. There's really no bench whatsoever. Um, Hyatt was your bench basically, and you have to start him because Mag's not fully healthy. Yeah. Uh, Fernandes, like you said, wasn't fully healthy. Jeremiah Williams and Quiff both got hurt last game too. Quiff looked a lot better this game. Still doesn't really kind of look like himself fully out there. I feel like he's yep. not bouncing, not bouncy enough. And and the biggest thing with these with most of these shots that these guys are taking, they don't follow their shot. It's more like, hey, it's gonna go in or it's not, and I'm just gonna sit at three point line after I took it. And it's like, no, follow, go get a rebound, do something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, that Minnesota team is actually really intriguing. Um, they have some really good players and. It's crazy because I thought Ben Johnson last year was probably on the verge of getting fired at one point, but now yeah. it's like he's turned it around completely. I feel like, and they're just a couple pieces away. But um, you can't also you can't send a team to the free throw line thirty four times. I know they only made twenty something, yeah. but yep. thirty four free throws is is bad, and that's where all the fouls come in. I mean, you have twenty one total fouls, five, three, three. Three, yeah, three they got into like, foul trouble early too. You know, you had yeah. Andre Hyde get two fouls in the first half. You had, uh, I think, Mag had two fouls in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought defensively, this was probably the worst defensive game they played all year. Minnesota shot fifty-one percent from the field, fifty percent from deep. <clears throat> you already mentioned the thirty-four free throw attempts, but I just thought we looked totally outmatched in terms of uh, <clears throat> hustle intensity. Uh, they Minnesota just looked more ready to play and looked like they wanted this game more. And I know that's kind of a tired cliche, but they yeah. just they they outworked us. They, they deserved to win that game. Um, 
I thought it was surprising given how the game was playing out in the first half that it was even tied at halftime. I know Rutgers had like a seven point lead in the first half, but it just felt unsustainable because Mm -hmm. they were just playing unlike themselves in the sense that they were hitting tough contested layups, especially in transition. You know, we were hitting, we we shot 50% from three in the first half. You know, Mm -hmm. we were three of six. We made the first three and didn't make the second three, but uh, it just didn't feel sustainable. And it turned out it wasn't. Um, but what is sustainable typically for Rutgers is that defense, that intensity that they bring. And it just felt like they didn't have it. Um, I think it was a bad matchup for them, especially given the injury situation, but you need to get more out of your team because defense, you can control way more because it's all about effort. It's all about intensity. It's all about hustle. And when you don't have that, because your guys are banged up and because maybe they're a little deflated for, for how the game's going, mm-hmm. um, you're just going to lose games like this. And so, I don't know. It was disappointing, especially because I think we both expected a win. Uh, maybe we were just getting yeah. a little he- ahead of ourselves. And now Rutgers is, it's got its back against the wall because unless you finish the season at least 5-1, and one, you can kiss the NCAA tournament dreams goodbye. And I think they probably have to go 3-3 three and three the rest of the year uh, to make the NIT too. So you, you really don't have a whole lot of margin for error the rest of the year. And uh, you have your toughest game of the season coming up on this Thursday when they play Purdue on the road at Mackey. And uh, I'm looking at Bart Torvik. They have them as a 17-point dog. So that is uh, it's going to be a Herculean task for them to, to go in there and win that game. So you have to win the rest of the five if, if you're – assuming a loss at Purdue and that's two road games that are quad one games at Nebraska at Wisconsin and three home games against Maryland, Michigan and closing out against Ohio state who just beat Purdue under their interim head coach who looked like a totally different team. So yeah, you you got some tough sled. That's not good. But uh, also you never want to play a team that's coming off a loss. I feel like, especially like a top ranked team like that. Um, They're going to be pissed and it's a home game for them. So uh, back to the Minnesota thing real quick. I just I thought they had momentum in the first like twelve to fifteen minutes. They were up six, seven. It just kept going. Like I mean, obviously they weren't playing great defense then, but they were still keeping it like a five, six, seven point lead. And then yep. that last like three, four minute span, they just bl- kind of blew it. And then momentum shifted completely towards Minnesota. Minnesota gets the last bucket on a a turnover. I think it was from um was it turnover? Was it free throws? I think it was free throws because I think Derek came back the other way and fouled the guy on a on a layup attempt. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, no, it's just it it sucks because this is that was a one of the games you kind of had an I I would say an easier win compared to the upcoming schedule. Yeah, you could compare it to like a Michigan's probably the easiest one so far, or for the rest of the way, Maryland might be pretty easy too. But those other games are going to be really tough now. So I I don't really don't know. It's I don't think they make the tournament. I'll be honest with you, but I think NIT is still very much in play. So. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. I think the NIT is definitely in play. It's just they need to play more consistently on offense. Like in the first, what, 18 minutes of the game, they scored 37 points. And mm-hmm. over the next roughly 18 minutes of the game, next 17 minutes, they scored uh, 15 points. So they go on these prolonged stretches where they just can't buy a bucket. And sometimes they just look like they're playing outside themselves uh, in terms of having more success than you'd expect. And that's what happened in the first half, I felt. Um, But you gotta, you you gotta up the defensive intensity moving forward. You're not gonna, you're not gonna win 
games, especially on the road in the Big Ten, if you play lackadaisical defense, which I felt they did. Um, they just had like I can't remember the last time any team had that many wide open looks at the rim. And I don't know if Cliff's playing with an injury uh, or if you know we just didn't give him the help he needed. And he, mm-hmm. <laughs> I know a lot of our defensive identity is these guys like Moat Mag playing you know out of his mind because he's just such a long rangy athlete um mm-hmm. and he's able to make up so much ground so quickly and he's not at 100 percent clearly no. he didn't play his full allotment of minutes um it just it just felt like a game that we couldn't realistically win um despite how well we played in the first half yeah i keep looking at the foul numbers and like i even the numbers in general I keep looking at everything uh, for Austin Williams specifically because I'm like, you know what? Maybe you play him more if, like, if say Jeremiah is not fully healthy, or and he had, he had a couple quick points, like nothing crazy. Obviously, he got fouled, hit the two free throws, and then uh, you look at his foul numbers, and it's like, oh, right, three fouls in seven minutes isn't good either. So yeah, yep. it's uh, there's just no bench. Honestly, there's no bench at all, and you're really putting a lot of pressure on these starters to score all score double digits because if they can't, you're really not going to win games like this, especially yeah. when you're not playing defense. So. Yeah, the shame of it is, like, I felt, you know, there was a lot of talk about how Noah met with Pike and they had a long conversation about his role. And, mm-hmm. you know, then he goes and has that incredible game against Wisconsin. And yep. it just felt like, okay, now we, everybody's rowing in the weapon. same direction. We have yeah. another, you know, spark plug off the bench who can give mm-hmm. you these quick bursts of scoring. And then he gets hurt against Northwestern. And, yeah, I don't know what his injury is, but he only played three minutes against Minnesota, and he's a guy you really could use, especially in the second half, just mm-hmm. to get you out of some of those scoring ruts because that's that's his game. He can he can shoot with the best of them. He, you know, he's kind of more of like a, a heat check guy where, you know, he'll have those games like Wisconsin, but he'll also go those long stretches where he misses a lot of shots. Um, but you need a guy like him to to help punch your way from you know, being off the mat back into a position where you could win. And, uh, yeah, it's a bummer. Which, which makes me think, like, do you just change up the starting lineup? I know Pike says all the time, like, I don't care who the starters are. It doesn't matter. They're all going to play. You could be a bench player and play starter minutes, whatever. Do you change it up again and try to just flip some stuff and try to get a bench player that can score? Like, it, it's not the crazy. Like, Derek can still play starter minutes, but have him like, like a spark plug off the bench because he he's, can score. I don't know. Maybe it's just maybe it's just me. Maybe flip flop Derek and Mag in the starting lineup for the last game and let Hyatt start at the three, maybe. But then again, Hyatt would have to guard threes, and I don't know if that's the best option either. I don't think there's an easy answer, and hence why. Uh, yeah, that's why they're yeah. Why they're doing what they're doing. So. Um, He's with so the yeah, keys. big big game against Purdue, and then there's a blackout game on Sunday uh, at mm-hmm. home at noon versus Maryland. So uh, Rutgers is going to need to win that game 100%. Uh, I think you can basically kiss all postseason uh, berths goodbye if they lose to Maryland on Sunday. So let's just hope they can kind of recalibrate by then and get their guys healthy and ready to go. You got anything else, Hoops, before we move on to some uh, recruiting talk? Uh, not that I could think of. There's not really any Hoops recruiting talk going on. Um, it's basically all the same. Uh, just kind of waiting on something to pop there, but... Uh... No, I think that's uh, really it. Okay. So we got a lot of uh, football recruiting stuff. We mm-hmm. have a lot of official visitors who have just scheduled uh, 
for later this spring. We got Jalen Matthews, the four-star out of Tom's River North. He is scheduled mm-hmm. for an official visit on June 7th. Yep. Byron Baldwin, the corner, just set up his official visit for May 31st. There's a few others. So you want to just run down who has an official visit scheduled and kind of give us some some background on those players? All right. So start with the weekend of May 31st, which is going to be the big hoorah weekend, whatever, for Rutgers. They're trying to get a bunch of guys on campus still. Um, so far, what we have scheduled is John Forrester, the running back out of St. Joe's Regional. Four-star, right top 10 player in the state. Yeah. Uh, top. I think he's like top five, to be honest with you, or something like that. Um, he's like a top. 140. Yeah, he's number five in state. He's number 134 in the country. He's all-purpose back and do it all. Um, I actually wouldn't mind seeing him in a, as a slot guy at the next level, but I also said that about Aaron Young a little bit. So, um, which I, to this day, I still feel like that might have been a good decision. But besides the point, he's a very good running back, very good pass catcher, can kind of do it all, good vision. A little on the smaller side, I think he's like five nine ish, five nine and a half ish around there. But um, as as we see with guys that size, they they work out pretty well at Rutgers. So. Doesn't matter. Um, but John Forrester has a visit. Uh, he's planning visits to... Where the hell is he going? He has visits to Rutgers on the 31st and Syracuse on June 7th. Those are two officials. And he also has visits to... I forget where. Tennessee, I think it was. And uh, there's another school that he's taken unofficial visit to. Unofficial visits to in March. Um, right now, I think it's... Oh, Illinois. Um, I think Rutgers has a really good shot right here. Uh, it's going to come down to Rutgers or Syracuse, it sounds like. So this is going to be a true old-school battle between uh, Greg Schiano and Frank Brown. We'll see what happens. But uh, I think Rutgers is uh, solidly in the lead here, and to the point where I'm kind of close for a future cast, but I'm not confident enough yet. Um, but I, I think they have a really good shot here. And, and Augie Hoffman's now the head coach of St. Joe's again. And for people that don't know, like there, there is people keep asking, I should say, there is no bad blood at all whatsoever. It like it was a decision that had to be made. You had to get a new guy on staff. Augie's back at his his hometown or not hometown, back to his roots of St. Joe's. Loves it there. Loves coaching high school ball. So I him and Shiano still talk all the time. I'm told so nothing to worry about there. But uh, who else? Eden Buchanan, offensive lineman out of Good Counsel down in Maryland, a program that produces at quite a big uh, quite a high rate, I should say. Uh, he's got several Power 5 offers. He's taken only, I think, two visits this spring, and that was to Virginia Tech and Rutgers. Uh, not even spring, I should say. Uh, winter, January, whatever. Uh, but he scheduled the Rutgers official visit pretty quickly. Um, I, and again, very close to uh, schedule, or putting in a future cast here. He's massive. He's 6'8", 325, offensive tackle. Um, I saw him at the Purdue game. I think it was the Purdue game. Um, I just, he just, whatever basketball game it is, I'm, I'm just sitting there waiting for the recruits to walk by, I snap a couple photos, you know, for our profiles and stuff like that. And you, you just see them and it's like, holy shit, who the hell is that cute? And I'm like, oh, that's the Buchanan kid. Like, damn, massive human being. Um, top 35 player in Maryland. Um, I, I think Rutgers has a good shot there. Close to a future cast, like I said. Uh, two cornerbacks coming in Charles Bell Jr. out of St. Thomas Moore, Connecticut and Byron Baldwin out of Calvert Hall, Maryland. Both only have one official visit set. Both have Rutgers. Bell is looking into setting visits to Syracuse, Maryland, and Penn State as well. So that's going to be the competition there. And Baldwin right now is between Rutgers and Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech hasn't scheduled an official yet. Rutgers is probably the favorite there based on the way he talks about them. Um, Baldwin does have a long list of unofficials that he just announced too with Rutgers rivals on Twitter, if you didn't see the graphic, uh, Instagram, whatever. He's going to Vandy. Indiana, Kentucky, Syracuse, and Minnesota. 
I'm sure some of those guys are going to try to schedule official visits while he's on their unofficial. So stay tuned for that one. Calvert Hall, former home of Reggie Sutton, too. So there's a good little bond relationship there. They also have a 2026 kid that keeps talking very, very heavily about Rutgers, and that would be Chris Hewitt, who's probably projected to be a four-star when the rankings come out. Um, Chris Hewitt is uh, Matt Hewitt's nephew. So it's a nice little connection there. Um, and then last but not least, Jalen Matthews, June 7th weekend. Uh, offensive lineman, top offensive lineman in Jersey, four-star guy, former Penn State commit. Was considered Georgia lean up until recently. Um, I think Rutgers has a good shot, but his recruitment's really hard to get a read on. Um, he's taking a visit to Miami as well for an unofficial next month. Um, I think Colorado is also pushing for him, from what I heard. Michigan State, um, Tennessee, he just visited the other day. So it's it, that's a it's a weird recruitment. Um, I'm intrigued to see where it goes, and but Rutgers Rutgers has put in a lot of work here and a lot of effort. So we'll we'll see if they can uh potentially land not one but potentially two uh, top ten kids in Jersey. Yeah, that'd be huge. I know we kind of went through the top ten uh, on a different show, and we felt they yeah. had a, a good to great shot with five out of the ten top ten. So mm-hmm. good to see two of them already scheduling official visits, and they'll be here this spring. Um, but you know, we never know how those things are going to go. It could be a commitment right afterwards. The guy could take another six visits. It doesn't really yeah. uh, always work out one way or the other. So just keep staying tuned because uh, sometimes Richie will hear things and drop it on here that he, uh, you know, guy might be leaning towards Rutgers or about to commit. So oh, got a guy that's about to commit uh, just got posted on Instagram. I see momentar- moments ago. Uh, Brandon Stores Jr. has an oh. has an announcement date. February 26th, that will be uh, Monday. Um, Technically, it's Final 3. It's a Final 2. We've been saying this for a while. It's Georgia Tech or Rutgers. Um, Bronx native, St. Raymond High School, top 50, 60 kid, I think he is. 68 maybe, something like that. Um, Wait and see what happens. Uh, I think Rutgers has a good shot. I mean, obviously top 2, so there's a pretty good shot. But it's, it's coming down to the wire for this one. I don't really know which way he's leaning. There's uh, no indication, but might have to make a trip over to the Bronx next Monday. That'd be huge. Uh, obviously, we've we've talked about this guy over several podcasts. Um, I think he's ranked in the, the top 60 in the Rivals 150. He's, like a, he's a, a high four-star. His dad was coached in college by Steve Hain, so mm-hmm. there's the family connection. He's been on an official visit. I think he also took an unofficial recently. So he's been to Rutgers a lot. He knows the program, um, but it is seemingly a two-horse race. And I, from everything I've heard and seen, it's you know a 50-50. And until we hear otherwise, uh, it'll be tough to kind of figure out which way he's leaning. Mm-hmm. Um, so we will obviously keep you guys updated now that that's been uh, confirmed that he's committing next week. I'm sure Richie will hear things. And uh, the next pod, we might have an update on that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the other thing we talked about, uh, in the, the opener is that we have a little bit of a tease about what the Scarlet ticket is through Knights of the Raritan. So the official announcement as to what the, the promotion is will come tomorrow. So stay tuned to your Twitter feed and the boards, because, uh, I think it is the most exciting and ambitious thing that Knights of the Raritan have ever done. And 
it's something that will truly be worthwhile. Uh, and I, I don't want to say too much, but I will say this, that no other collective in college athletics is doing something like what KTR is doing with the Scarlet Ticket. Um, it is only available to members. So if you are not a monthly member, you are not eligible to win this promotion. So I, I want to put that out there. Um, but like I said, more details will be announced tomorrow. So Wednesday, the 21st. Uh, I, 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 when I was told what they were doing, I was blown away, honestly. I think this will be uh, really exciting. And uh, anything, <laughs> I don't want to say too much. Is there anything that I missed that you wanted to kind of talk uh, about tease-wise? Here we go. I need a little <laughs> teaser here. I mean, it's just, it's look at it. It's a perfect time, too, just because the movie just kind of came out. There's a, there's a big ticket coming out for Rutgers, so I would just, I would just stay tuned a little bit. And I'm, uh, you know, I, I think I might have to make like a, uh, a Graciano Steve Peichel version of this Gene Wilder remake. You know, that'd be, <laughs> be kind of funny. Imagine like Greg's face right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'd be right, great. I'm not gonna make you guys watch the whole thing, but you, you get the point. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, uh, if you haven't guessed, it's a play on the Golden Ticket. Um, yeah. So. Scarlet Ticket, Golden Ticket. It, it's gonna be <clears throat> cool. It's gonna be really cool, actually. So it's an interesting idea. It's unique, and uh, I think you'll get some some significant uh, support behind it. Yep. Um, so that's kind of all I got. Is there anything we didn't hit on, Rich, before we head out today? No, not really. I'm gonna do some digging on this Brandon Stores thing that just popped up. So keep an eye out for that one. Uh, I'm sure we'll have more on that on the boards on roundtable message board. Uh, no, just kind of waiting for. Uh, yeah, just kind of waiting for something to happen. <laughs> Oop, yeah, that's uh, that seems so. to be the... <laughs> yeah, that's the cue. Yeah, that seems to be where we're at a lot of times, just waiting for something to happen. But uh, for me and Richie, this has been another edition of the Report Podcast. So. This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.